As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod. We are the Big 12 Podcast on the Andy Staple Show and Friends Podcast feed. Thanks as always for listening. My name is Jason Kersey, joined today, as always, by my good friends Max Olson and Sam Kahn. Here in a little bit, we'll be joined by Dave Hunziker, Oklahoma State's radio play-by-play announcer. He'll help us break down Bedlam. But first, we got a lot to talk about, guys. Uh, Thanksgiving is tomorrow, so there's a lot going on in all of our lives. How are we doing today? Well, what are you guys responsible for cooking for Thanksgiving? I'm ready. I'm ready to get after it. It's after as soon as we get done with this podcast, uh, I'm going to get to going on green bean casserole and uh, cranberries, and I think I'm going to make a corn corn casserole. I'm going to try and fry shallots and make my own like the crispy onion that goes on top of the. Uh, of the green bean casserole here. So we're going to, we're going to give a shot at that. I, I don't know if I could pull you. it off, but we're going to try. I'm very impressed. Sam, are you, are you uh, a chef at all? Are you going to be in the kitchen at all? I, I used to be, but on Thanksgiving, uh, I used to be a big help, but we are a guest on Thanksgiving this year. Actually, we're in Lubbock. Uh, my, my sister-in-law lives in Lubbock and my wife wanted to come visit the family. So uh, we, I am not cooking. My wife, I think maybe cooking. Actually, we're actually going to be having dinner today because we're flying back to Houston tomorrow. But, uh, I, I am being able to be on the sideline here and just kind of watch the kids run around and scream. By the way, if you hear any kids screaming in the background, there's about, uh, six of them on un- six, six and under running around this house right now. So <laughs> there may be some, there may be some screaming and fighting and crying going on in the background at any various point during this podcast. Well, we'll see if any of them want to come talk big 12 football. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring them on. Maybe we um, should let your kids make the picks this week because that would give Jason and I a chance to catch up to you. <laughs> yeah, my God, we'll get into that later, but Sam is crushing, crushing it as, as loyal listeners already know. Um, yeah, I, I've, when we get done today, I'm going to be baking pies. So that's my responsibility. Uh, Which pies? So I'm going to try, it's from this cookbook that I got. It's a limoncello berry pie. I'm going to try mm. that. I think that'd be an interesting twist. I, about five years ago, I baked an apple pie. I just, my brother challenged me to do it. And so I did it, made my own crust and everything. And so now my mom thinks that I'm just a, Ooh, uh, made your own crust too. Chef. That's yeah. impressive. So now I'm responsible for pies basically is how, is what has happened. Um, so I, I did it to myself, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. I think it's, it's going to be good. So, uh, but nobody came to this podcast to listen to us talk about pies. So let's, yeah, let's get into it guys. The, uh, the college football playoff rankings uh, were updated and we've got three big 12 teams in the top 10, actually four, if you count Cincinnati in the, in the top 10, which we do on this podcast. We do. We absolutely do. Um, Oklahoma state at seven, uh, Baylor is at eight. Oklahoma is at 10 Cincinnati at four, becoming the first group of five team to ever crack the top four in any of these rankings. Um, guys, I'll just start it out that right there, Max, what, what did you make of these rankings? And I mean, we've got Bedlam this weekend that could still be for a playoff spot. You know, as a, as a real 
cynical bastard when it comes to this sport. It was pretty awesome to see Cincinnati at number four. And, and you kind of, I don't know. I think maybe we're trained. I don't think the committee does a horrible job or anything like that, but I think over the years here, we have enough precedent that we kind of have to assume that the, uh, you know, the, the, the great G five team is, uh, you know, not likely to get that respect is more, maybe a little bit more likely to get overlooked and screwed over. And so to see them move up to number four, which was totally logical based on how, you know, Saturday went, um, was really, was really exciting to see. And look, I, I know there's probably some big 12 listeners who remember, you know, how things went in 2014 and say, Oh, well, just cause they're there doesn't mean they'll stay there. And, and, you know, that's, again, that's kind of how we feel about this playoff stuff. We kind of assume, you know, you can't take for granted that the spot you're in right now, maybe they will, you know, find some way to bump Cincinnati out of it, but man, I, Awesome to see. I didn't really see a whole lot of outrage yesterday from, from folks about how the, those rankings played out. I think the, the the road ahead here is pretty clear. I think I think the tiers of teams is, is pretty clear. And, uh, you know, on the Big 12 side, man, it, it's setting up for a really exciting finish. I mean, you think about the situation that Oklahoma State's in, you know, having already clinched the Big 12 title game. If they, if they win this weekend, you know, as long as Baylor takes care of business, that's a, that's a top 10 matchup. It's, it's another game that is going to, you know, if they go 12 and one and they win these two in a row, that's going to shoot you into the top four. I think I, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be the debate about who, who should be three, who should be four and all that, but man, it is, it is all lined up here for Oklahoma state. If they're, if they're good enough, their offense can be good enough to, to, you know, back up their defense. Um, Man, it it is setting up perfectly for the Cowboys now. Yeah, I agree with Max. I was pleasantly surprised on the Cincinnati front. Glad to see they're finally in the mix, and and they deserve it. I think Oregon made uh, everyone's job easy in that regard. Uh, It also made the job easy for the committee when it came to Ohio State because Ohio State's been behind them. But then you look at the way they looked at last last week and jumping them to two, I think, made sense. As far as the Big 12 goes, Oklahoma State has a clear path. You beat Oklahoma, you beat Baylor, then – you're you're in business. I think I think you can jump in the top four as a as a one loss Big Twelve champion. I don't know that I would have said that a few weeks ago, but two highly ranked wins would be so impressive on the resume. If it the shoes on the other foot and it's Oklahoma that beats Oklahoma State twice, is that good enough to get them in? I, I'm not sure. I wonder if at ten they may be too far down for that to happen. But uh, Baylor obviously with two losses is probably out of the picture at this point. But I think to see three teams in the top 10 from the big 12. And then of course you've got one in the future, big 12 members there in Cincinnati, BYU down at 13. This conference is shaping up to be pretty good. And I think uh, for, for all the rhetoric that we've had after the realignment this, this summer, the conference looks in pretty good shape. It yeah. really did add the most relevant G5 programs they possibly could have this summer. Yeah. I mean, Houston's ranked. I mean, this is really tur- turning out nicely for them. What a, what a great year for all these teams to, to be in this position for, for the big 12. Um, absolutely. And Max, you came to Stillwater uh, last week, had a chance to talk to president Casey Shrum, uh, athletic director, Chad Weiberg. I, I thought you produced a, a great story out of that. I, you know, uh, Thanks, sort of on the, on the hurt feelings that, that still sort of exists between Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, as we enter this bedlam game with the sec move, um, you got to try Eskimo Joe's for the first time, which we'll talk about in a moment, but first <laughs> let's talk about your story first. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it was a, it was a chance to, you know, in covering, uh, the realignment, uh, saga so closely, um, you know, in, in July and August, uh, it, I was, uh, fascinating to go go sit down with those two leaders who took over on July one, um, which is really, you know, pretty a pretty brutal thing to have to go through. Twenty one days in, you have this this crisis that occurs, and and uh, you know there's a past understanding that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State would stick together. Certainly, that's not going to be the case here going forward. And so uh, it was really interesting to, nav- to talk with them about navigating that whole process and. Uh, also just, you know, and, and, and sort of how they prove themselves as, as the brand new president and AD uh, thrown into such a, a critical decision-making time. And also we, you know, we did talk about the future of this rivalry and we will get into that with Dave Hunziker too, but um, you know, I, I think it's on their side of things. I, it, it, there's a clear impression that there's real trust issues here between Oklahoma state and Oklahoma going forward. There's not been, 
you know, uh, Chad Weiberg and Joe Castiglione have, have not talked since July. That I'm, shocked me, honestly, when, when I read that. And, and they're going to run into each other, you know, this weekend in the stadium. And I'm, I'm sure they will, you know, um, you know, I'm sure they'll chat and, and, you know, small talk and all that, but um, there's a real, there's a, there's a real line that's been drawn now between these two schools that, and you can say, Oh, they've, they've always been competitive. They're competitive, you know, outside of athletics and all of that. Um, but it, you know, when you think about the, the changes at the top um, in terms of leadership at these two schools, uh, certainly a very different dynamic going forward uh, now that, now that Oklahoma is, is moving on and, um, you know, also an opportunity for Oklahoma State to have some independence from this school that, um, you know, their, their fate was tied to. Um, and, you know, maybe they can be the premier program in, in the new Big 12. Certainly a year like this really helps you kind of keep building that momentum uh, to, to, be, to be really, really elite. And yeah, I went to Eskimo Joe's. I finally, finally did. I, I, now have I'm you, so excited. and I got a lot of people telling me like, wow, really? Finally, you like, you actually, you know, how did it take this long? And I guess the answer to that is probably like, I've always kind of like gone to the garage um, when I've been in, in, which is also a great spot in Stillwater. Jason, what's your, what's your history with Eskimo Joe's? The garage is great. Um, but Eskimo Joe's is Stillwater. Uh, Eskimo Joe, you know, the garage has locations other places. Eskimo Joe's is still. Dude, the garage has a location in Omaha now. Really? Yeah. How about that? Huh. That's very interesting. Now, is it called Smitty's or is it just the garage? Because mm, I think it's like both. Okay. Cause the one in Fayetteville, when I lived out there was called Smitty's. The one in Norman is just the garage. So oh, I don't, okay. I think they're like weirdly branded. I don't know, but anyway, gotcha. nobody, nobody wants to hear about that. Um, no. So Eskimo Joe's. Yeah. I, uh, I've been going, you know, I've been going there not frequently, but cause I'm not in Stillwater that often, but I've been to Eskimo Joe's many times in my life. Uh, it's an Oklahoma staple. Uh, I was glad to hear that you took a plastic cup. You should have got a T-shirt too, but you sure, know, I guess it, so. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I'll I'll forgive you for that. Um, it was you know Eskimo Joe's used to have a just a clothing store in a mall in Oklahoma City. I don't think it's there anymore, but that's how like people much people love wearing those Eskimo Joe's shirts. Is they used to have a whole separate clothing store in a mall in Oklahoma City. Uh, I remember. But uh, so what'd you have? Did you you had the cheese fries. Had the cheese fries. I had, um, you know, couldn't, I, I did the, the, the sweet peppered bacon cheese fries. Incredible. Um, even, even better than I expected. And then I got a, a black and chicken sandwich, which was, which was really good. It was nice to just popping in there on a weekday and I will definitely be back there. And then on my way out of town, I picked up some, some iron monk beers. So, uh, I was able to able to load up and before I drove home and, uh, so really just enjoying the, the finest delicacies that the Stillwater, Oklahoma has to offer and excited to excited to go back this weekend. And there's something just about the atmosphere there, right? Like that's that to me, like the food is good. I like the food at Eskimo Joe's, but it's just I love that place. I just love the way that it's set up. It's just such a neat experience. Um, oh, we, no do we, we have a special guest right now, oh. Sam, on the pod. Yeah, Adrian's <laughs> over here trying to grab my microphone. <laughs> Well, he's got things he wants to say. He does. He talks, mostly he just makes sounds to let me know when he's hungry. That makes sense. Looking good, Adrian. Sam, have you ever been to Eskimo Joe's? I have not because I've only been to Stillwater once and it was for just passing the, through. Yeah, it, we, we, it was to go see the staff uh, for the a golf preseason golf thing with the assistants a few years back. So, yeah, I haven't been able to make. A lot of trips there, Max, you know, our former employer wasn't always key. We're very territorial about our travel. <laughs> and so you and I, it took no a long doubt. time for you and I to get to Oklahoma, to the state of Oklahoma. Or Ames or a bunch of places. That's right. Conference. So, so, so <laughs> we've been able to do a lot more of that in our current gig. Uh, so I have, so I have not been able to ask about Joe's, but the picture you saw, I was like, wow, that looks pretty legit from what you yeah heard. it was like a sharing size one and i you know i could have used one of you guys to help me out there and <laughs> have a little bit a little bit less shame when it was was all over but jason how how's the mood around there man like i you know and like just and it's funny we talk about we talk about playoff and and the, the situation we didn't even mention oklahoma like if oklahoma wins out they could make the playoff you, yeah. you can't say that that's like totally yeah. out of the question here um, what, what's been the mood this week in, in interviews on the OU side and, and just in that state, like how, how people are feeling about this game. My sense that I get from a lot of people is that, I mean, this is the most exciting Bedlam matchup in a while because there's a, the, the, 
there's a sense that Oklahoma State is the real favorite this time. And, and that doesn't happen often because uh, Oklahoma has so thoroughly dominated this rivalry, even as Mike Gundy has led the most successful, un- unquestionably, the most successful run in the history of that program. Um, that one thing they still can't kind of get over the hump on is consistently being able to beat OU. Mike Gundy's only done it twice. 2011, it took them being just so much better with Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman. 2014, it was that it was that crazy Tyree Kill punt return. So uh, I, I, I feel like this the the feeling to me that I'm getting from both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State fans is Oklahoma State is the real favorite this time. Like this is going to be a difficult game because Oklahoma's offense has been bad. Not even mediocre. They've been bad the last two weeks. And uh, Oklahoma State's defense is one of the very best in college football. Caleb Williams is a freshman, and he's playing like one right now um, against the two best defenses, Baylor and Iowa State, that he's seen all year. So I think there's a real sense that this is this is going to be a bear trap for him. This could be really difficult. So uh, that's that's what I find interesting. And then when you layer on top of it the the SEC, the the bad blood, um, this is going to be awesome. I, I'm I'm really excited about this game. Yeah, Jason, you you texted me over the weekend or texted both of us over the weekend because uh, I remember last week I told you guys I thought I thought Oklahoma State's winning this game uh, and, and you weren't quite ready to go there. But then over the well, weekend, yeah, you you kind of started coming around that yeah, Oklahoma State's the clear favorite here. Well, the reason and and that 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 doesn't come from a homer place. It comes from just a I've lived here my whole life and I know the dynamics of this rivalry. And it's it's even in years when Oklahoma State should win, <laughs> even in years when Oklahoma State should win, yeah, Oklahoma wins and uh, and sometimes wins by a lot. Like last year, that was supposed to be a really good game, and oh, you blew them out from the very first snap, and so. I have a hard time. It's like one of those things until they prove it. I have a hard time picking them, but, but damn, they may have convinced me. We'll, we'll see when we get to picks, but uh, I, I'm, I'm coming around on Oklahoma state's chances this weekend. Cause I think they're damn good. They are. And, and that defense had another, another, you know, shutdown game there against Texas tech, um, you know, sh- shutting them out. And I think they've moved to number three and stop right now this week, number two in scoring defense. 13 points a game in Big 12 play, which is just like crazy when you actually think about the history of this conference and how hard it is to just do that, to hold teams to maybe a touchdown and maybe a field goal or two you know, on average here. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where you guys end up on, on the pick on this. Right? I really am because I think you could – I haven't made up my mind yet. I think you can kind of talk me into it either way here. Hey, by yeah. the way, I, I, I'm not one to soapbox on this stuff, but – What's up with the Malcolm Rodriguez erasure on the Budkiss Award? That oh, it's kind of ridiculous. Me. It's I, outrageous. I, I mean, that guy's been one of the best in the country all year. And if you've watched him play in person, golly, he's a fantastic I mean, player, I mean so. he's – do you think he, he's – is he going to win the Big 12 Defense Player of the Year? I think I would, so. I would think so. It's I either him or Jalen Petrie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, those were the two when I did the Big 12 midseason. Those were the two I was choosing between. I went with Petrie, but – but man, since then, especially, I feel like Rodriguez has been awesome. I think a lot, a lot of the awards voting. I like, I saw those results the other day, and you're just like, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> you know, Sam, the Jareth Stearns at Western Kentucky. Like, how does he not make top three for Bolitnikov? Like, of course, I'm a voter for Bolitnikov, so maybe that's. I mean, I put him <laughs> on the top of my deal, but I don't know what anybody else did. But uh, yeah, some of the stuff you got to shake your head and, and, and keep it moving. I guess maybe we need to do a better job of getting in on these things and actually voting on them. Yeah, probably so. On the uh, elsewhere in the Big 12, a uh, lot of uh, smoke, a lot of uh, uh, speculation that, that TCU may be close to hiring SMU coach Sonny Dykes, um, w- which would certainly be interesting to see him go from, from one side of that rivalry to the other. Um, Sam, what, what's the latest you're hearing on that? Yeah, I, I think once this season is over and, and SMU plays their final game, I think we'll start getting a resolution on this uh, in, the, in the days after. Uh, Sonny, I, I know that wasn't really keen on leaving during the season, so it's part of the reason I think why he's not in the mix for Texas Tech or wasn't in the mix for Texas Tech at the end of the day because Tech wanted to move a little quicker quicker than that. But I, I think it's a good move for TCU personally. I, I think he fits what Jeremiah Donati wanted. Uh, offensive-minded head coach 
has had success. I mean, honestly, they've gotten the better of TCU in that rivalry the last couple of years. I, I do find it interesting that he's leaving SMU for TCU, and I, I think it's really going to sting for SMU. It, I know it, it's going to hurt them. Uh, and they haven't finished the season the way they wanted to this year, and it hasn't been quite as great as they had hoped. But he's done a great job of building that roster, building that program. He leaves the program in a good place. Uh, and I think TCU did a pretty good job with with its search and its hire. And SMU is an attractive job. I mean, uh, for for Group of Five and the American with Cincinnati leaving, with UCF leaving, they're going to have a real chance to to take over that conference with the Dallas area recruits with the transfer portal. I mean, don't you think that's a pretty pretty appealing job for someone? No, no doubt. I mean, it's it is probably if not the best Group of Five job, it's one of the best Group of Five jobs left once Cincinnati, Houston and uh, UCF move on to the Big 12. Uh, and, and I think what's going to be critical for, for SMU and, and everybody else in, that, in the group of five is that that playoff expansion includes a spot for the group of five. So if it does that, SMU, you look at yourself in position to get that. You look at the recruiting base in Dallas, uh, what they've done to sell themselves at Dallas's program, the way they've been a bounce-back destination for transfers uh, from the area. I think it's, it's a really good job. And I think, uh, you know, right now I see reports out that, and rumors going out that Rhett Lashley from Miami is – is the guy they're targeting. Uh, Rhett obviously has been at SMU. He's got history there. Uh, I think he'd probably be a solid hire. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a good job. And if you hire the right staff and you do it the right way, you can have a lot of success at SMU. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, and with that, we will go into our interview with Oklahoma State play-by-play announcer Dave Hunziker. Now to help us preview Bedlam, we we're happy to welcome in Dave Hunziker, who has been Oklahoma State's radio play-by-play announcer since 2001. Uh, very uh, generous of him to give us some of his time here on a very busy week. Dave, how you doing? Welcome to One True Pod. Yeah, happy to be with you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah. Well, Same you to you. Big, you, got, you got big Thanksgiving plans, Dave? Oh, we'll have some folks around, uh, my wife's family and so forth. But then it's uh, it's it's really back to work. We have Oral Roberts basketball Friday in Tulsa, and then obviously the game at Oklahoma Saturday. So it's it's like more. You know, I'm just glad to be in town because most of the time on Thanksgiving I'm not. I'm with basketball someplace, so I'm just glad to be in town for a change. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? You got to You got to go to. Oh gosh, I'm such an old school comfort food guy that I'm just glad I get to have all the stuff that I really deep down like. So I don't know that there's anything in particular. I'm just I'm just glad for all of it because in, in today it, it used to be when I was growing up that it was those things were fairly common. Now they're not. So I was like, okay, now I have an excuse to eat all these things I really really like. And if I want yeah. turkey, I don't have to get it at IHOP anymore. That's right. Well, Coach Gunny said he's ham over turkey. So where are you at on that? Disagree. Yeah, totally disagree. disagree. Yeah, okay. turkey guy. Ham on Christmas, turkey on Thanksgiving. I'm That's a stickler I'm, for those I, types I agree. of things. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, well, how are things in Stillwater right now? It's exciting times up there. Is the uh, do you feel sort of the energy building for this Bedlam matchup? Yeah, it's been building for a while just because the season has turned out in in wonderful fashion. It'll be unlike any atmosphere we've ever had here, at least in my 21 years. Because not only do you have all of the preseason sec stuff going on now you have a game that's basically a playoff for the playoff so the stakes couldn't be higher so now you've got all the the storylines from the summer coupled with genuine national championship ramifications i mean you you couldn't have any higher stakes than this dude do you do you have a personal 
favorite bedlam over the years. I mean, you know, obviously the last one Oklahoma State won was 2014. Those teams weren't that good, though. Obviously, it was a memorable finish, but it wasn't certainly with the kind of stakes that we're, we're dealing with this year. Do you, do you have a, a couple that come to mind when you think of just the all-timers? Oh, probably 2001 and 2002, because that's what started everything. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's really, those are really the turning points in terms of Oklahoma State football, the back-to-back Bedlam wins over Oklahoma teams that might have played for a national championship had they won either of those seasons. Because that really set in motion the future of Oklahoma State football, the ability to raise money and build a stadium and do it quickly with very minimal debt, the ability to, you know, and as a result, have a facility that at the time was the best in college football and still is one of the very best. And and I think as much as anything, it just built a confidence in the fan base that, you know, wait a second, we can be very relevant college football wise. We can be someone who's consistently in the top 20 on a regular basis. I don't know that anyone believed that before. I mean, it'd been hit and miss pockets of success and great, great players that had come through. And then sometimes even when that happened, there was the stain of NCAA sanctions that followed. And it was just hard to keep that momentum going. But but I think that started sort of a different train of thought and a little different level of confidence that has grown over the years. You know, the, the thing everybody's talking about with this Oklahoma State team is obviously the defense. I mean, they've been not only good, but just – the elite of the elite in college football. And I'm wondering, did you, before the season, see this coming? Did, did you see the defense being at this level? Not at this level. I mean, I thought they'd be really, really good. But I didn't – I mean, what they've done this season is 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 far beyond that. They have so much experience back. And experience has played a ton together. All of these guys grew up with Jim Knowles' defense. Many of them started in 2018 when Jim arrived as freshmen. You know, you think about Jarek Bernard, for example – Malcolm Rodriguez is another. Colby Harville Peel. They grew up and they took the they took the knots, so to speak, on the head early in the process. And so they've played so much together. They're so you know, they're so in sync. I mean, they just they're so in sync, and they have a great understanding of the defense. And the defense has evolved. I mean, there's for example, they play more zone this year than they did ever before. But it's it's a group that's that has grown together. You know, it's 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 been a great match for what Jim Knowles thinks philosophically, and and he's done a great job not only of scheming them up but leading them. It's it's been fun to watch. Here's the thing: there are no draft picks on that defense. There might be a guy picked in the fifth or sixth round. Coach Gundy and I've talked about that. You're not talking about guys on that defense where you've got one or two first round dudes that right. just dominate. That's not where this defense lives at all. It's it's been pretty remarkable to see a team that doesn't have that do what they've done up to this point. Yeah, David, how how do you square that with uh, I do you think maybe nationally people have a hard time kind of understanding that, you know, how much things have changed sort of steadily here over these last 4 years where there's probably still an expectation that the brand is 40 45 points a game really airing it out all that uh, you know, to 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 kind of flip it and, and play very complimentary football, and uh, you know, be okay with just focusing on being really good on the other side of the ball. How 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 has that been for you? Just to see that evolution, it's taken time to get used to. In fact, I talked to Coach Gundy about that last night as we record this about that very topic, and there were a couple of things that he said drove his decision making process. And and number one was because they moved four scholarships to defense. So this is by no accident that this has happened. I mean, they made a concerted effort a few years ago to try to change the dynamics defensively. And the first thing he said, and probably the most significant thing he said, was that in the non-conference, he felt like to have a chance as the schedule ramped up, and you're seeing opponents like Boise come on the schedule, You know, starting a series with Arizona State, later down the road, you're going to see Nebraska, and, and just a whole host of really good teams that Oklahoma State's going to play. Alabama down the line, he felt like, you know what, we have to get better defensively. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to beat those people. And then I think also, in my mind, I do think to some extent, and he has said this, when Iowa State defensively went to sort of the umbrella approach a few years ago and basically yep. told people, you will not throw it over our heads I think there was something in his mind that said, you know what? That's where we've lived forever. It's throwing it over people's heads. 
everybody's going to copy this and you've seen it in the Big 12. Everybody's copied it, yep. put their own little spin on it. We better figure out how to win differently. And you do that obviously by changing what you do on offense to some extent, but also you, the way to do it is to it's just to be better on defense. So I think it was obviously looking at the non-conference, but I do think what Iowa State did on defense had a little bit to do with it too. Dave, when you when you think back to early in the season, I know it's such a long year, but you think about the journey of this team, like like when you're in like Boise and you're watching them, you know, kind of barely survive a game like that, a, a tough game, certainly the Jalen Warren breakout happens in that one. But when you, you think about like what you saw from this team first three games, did you feel like, okay, maybe, maybe this team is just grinding out tough wins. They're really good. Or are you thinking like, maybe this is like a seven and five kind of team? Let's go back to week two, because after that beating Tulsa and barely beating both Tulsa and Missouri state, somebody would have said, sign this document for six wins. I would have said, please give it to me. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll sign. Absolutely. Now Boise changed my thought process for a couple of reasons. They were so beat up on offense. They had all freshmen out there at receiver. All freshmen. I mean, so they once they got the lead, they played keep away. They got way down, came back and won. Jalen Warren emerged as a very significant presence offensively in the Boise game. That's where that happened. The defense made a bunch of plays. I mean, the, the defense in the last three quarters basically shut Boise completely down, especially second half. And I remember getting ready to come home thinking, okay, now – wait a second, this team might be okay. Now, did I see them going, you know, 10 and one through the first 11 games? I don't think I would have thought that, but that was a pretty significant moment because Jalen Warren was identified as a bona fide big time back. I say, you know, that happened over time, but that was our first glimpse at it. And then defensively, you saw where they could shut people down and you, you saw where they could play keep away. I mean, it was funny. Coach Gundy told me that week. He said, I told Casey done 55 snaps. (laughs) <laughs> and I think Casey's response probably was, well, you can't 55 snaps. You can't have 55 snaps in the game. I think coach just said, you need to try because we don't need this game to go any more plays than humanly possible. We don't have any receivers. And <laughs> as it turned out, I think the play count guys was like, at one point it was like Boise 42, Oklahoma State 14. And when they played <laughs> keep away in the second half, the game ended up 70 to 70. Now, wow. so he didn't get to the, so Casey didn't get to the 55 or whatever coach said, but, They got the game screwed down the way they wanted. And I think it also showed me this team could play comfortably in a way that they needed to to win. I didn't know if they could do that going into the season offensively. It sort of hit me as like, okay, this team's comfortable playing like this. This this could get interesting here. But again, I didn't expect this by any means. No, another another, element of this team. And and as you said, yeah, lots of injuries at the start of it. Um, that just affect not only you know the production, but also just the way you're playing offense and trying to move the ball. Uh, I am curious as you look at some some huge games left here. I mean, every every game left here is huge for Oklahoma State. What is your expectation for what you think we'll see from from Spencer Sanders, and just how, how have you kind of seen his um, you know growth and improvement over the course of the season? It, it's I think a lot of it is is to an extent, comfort with what I was just talking about, kind of where this team needs to be offensively. Casey Dunn told us last week, he said, one of his favorite plays in the TCU game was when they ran a bootleg, there was a defender crashing down and Spencer was in trouble. He avoided the sack and instead of trying to make a play, he just threw it into the bench and went second down. I don't know that's something he would have done a month and a half ago I don't think for sure he would have done it a year ago because I think he's matured to understanding that every play doesn't have to be a home run, especially when this defense is as good as it is. He, lo- you know, He's at his best when he's wheeling and dealing. When he gets out of the pocket and runs, his passing gets better. It, you, you, you know, To deal with him in the best way, you better keep him contained to the pocket. If you don't, then it all it's, he becomes, as Coach Gundy says, you know, he, kind of like a Tasmanian devil. Once he gets going like that, he just he just goes and goes and goes. So that's an important piece to it. But I do think it's 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 a comfort in the the that not every play has to be a home run. I think that's mm-hmm. true for most quarterbacks. You know, they they've been able to do anything they wanted at the high school level because they were by far the best player and so it takes time and you know, he's had injuries those first two seasons as a starter that limited his number of starts plays a role in it too because he didn't maybe have quite as much as experience as he could have and then you lost spring ball 
a year and a half ago, which hurt him a lot, I think. So, so I think it's just, it's just a maturity thing. He, he gets it and he, he gets where he fits in to the big, to the grand picture of this team. Dave, uh, you know, obviously one thing hanging over this particular bedlam, and you mentioned it earlier, is the the move to the SEC on Oklahoma's part. Um, Mike Gundy said this week he doesn't see a way for bedlam to survive. Uh, Lincoln Riley said the opposite. Um, I, I'm wondering what you think. Do you do you do you think bedlam can survive in this new world? I don't think it will until ten years down the line. I mean, Oklahoma yeah. State's booked out non conference wise till 2034. And people say, oh, you can get out of those contracts. You can pay out of those contracts. That's not a smart move. We don't know what the television revenues are going to be like in the new Big 12 world. So this is not a time to be just throwing money around recklessly. Will it be $40 million a few years down the line? Will it be 28? Will it be 32? Will it be 36? It's, there's a pretty good chance it won't be what it is now, being realistic. So now's not the time to be point. paying a bunch of penalties to get out of a contract that you have with a non-conference opponent. So that, to me, plays a role in it. I think it's done for a while, guys. I just, I just don't see non-conference contracts being blown up, especially in what is an unsettled television revenue environment. You know, I hate to say this, but it's gonna, it's going to fall right in line with what happened to West Virginia and Pitt and West Virginia and Virginia Tech. It's going to go away for a while. Doesn't say it won't come back, but I don't see it unless there's some big change. Geez, better be careful what you say, because <laughs> this year has been all about change in college sports. But I don't see it. I don't see it being around for a while because, again, you have contracts, you're booked out, and if you're Oklahoma State, given the television revenue landscape, now now's not the time to be throwing money around. Uh, you, just, you just can't afford to do that because you just don't know what your TV revenue is going to be a few years down the line. And you know, TV revenue is going to be you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of your athletic department revenues are somewhere in that range, you know, 40%, whatever it is. So it's, that's a big deal. So it's, it, there's a lot more to it than people realize. Do you, I mean, Dave, you've been around for a while and you know what this, this game means to the state. Um, how, how do you feel about this? The fact there might not be Bedlam. Well, I guess I'll speak candidly. I think in some ways for Oklahoma state, it's not a bad thing. I think our fan base has got so caught up in what Oklahoma's doing that we have never fully appreciated what we have. And I think if it goes away for a while, I think our fans will come to realize that we are a lot better off than what we've given ourselves credit for. I don't know. Now, you know, there are lots of reasons to play it. It's a great rivalry. I, I don't, I will be interesting to see if it goes away for a while, if what I say is true. And I've probably just made a lot of our fans really mad. So uh, I guess, <laughs> you, you, I guess you guys have inspired this. I'll just take the hit in Walmart and I'll make sure I don't go over where the garden objects are. Cause I might get hit with something sharp, but I, I don't think sometimes this fan base appreciates what it has as much as it should, because they're so worried about Oklahoma and see, I'm a Missouri guy. And, and I've been here for 21 years, and this is, this is my adopted alma mater. And so I've always looked at it from, you know, talking to my friends back at Missouri, and, and they're saying, we wish we had what you had. You know, I spent, you know, 15 minutes talking with a Texas Tech suite holder last weekend in Lubbock, and he said, oh, my gosh, we'd, we'd give our right hand to have what you guys have. And I think Oklahoma State sometimes gets so caught up in – you know, it's rival that it doesn't appreciate all the wonderful things it has, the success in wrestling and basketball and golf and what we've done in football. I mean, guys, you think about this. I tweeted this out last Saturday. In the last 11 years, there have been eight schools that at this time of year have been ranked in the top 10 five times or more. Oklahoma State's one of them. You're in there with Georgia, Notre Dame, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oregon, uh, Oklahoma State. Let's see if I can remember the other. Georgia, I think. I don't think I said Georgia. Those are all blue bloods. That's where Oklahoma State's been. Now, you know, obviously they haven't closed the deal and won a national championship. That's pretty tall cotton. I mean, that's, you know, as I said in the tweet, it's kind of like being in the Sweet 16 in basketball because the playoff only is four teams. So, you know, that's all, that's all the further it goes. But if you're in contention this time of year, it's almost like you're in the Sweet 16. 
I don't know sometimes that our fan base has fully appreciated that. And I just so much, sometimes I just want to say, guys, you just, you just don't get it. This is this. Hey, they're going to do what they do. Let them do what they do. That's fine. And, and there's, and they've had wonderful success and it's a high mark to try to chase when you're chasing university of Oklahoma, but let's just worry about ourselves. And I think if it goes away for a while, we might do a better job of appreciating ourselves more and not worrying about what goes on 90 miles south. How's that that, for candy? That's that's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, and and just to add to that, I am curious, since since you clearly have such a a strong understanding of the psychology of this rivalry, what would it mean to get over on Oklahoma this year and and in this specific way? Now, if you lose this, you got to play them again, obviously. So it's the potential of two. But... To win this game in Stillwater, to knock Oklahoma out of the playoff, to advance Oklahoma State as, as, as having a very serious chance of making the playoff because they've already beat Baylor before. Um, what would that mean, uh, given how how this has gone since Lincoln Riley arrived in Norman? And um, certainly, you know, that is just one of those things that is attached to the you know resume and, and reputation of Mike Gundy. Well, after I just said what I said, I will tell you that it would be quite a deal. It would be, again, under all the circumstances, guys, right? I mean, with the move to the SEC, you know, the stakes that are obviously in play that are very real, far beyond intangible, they're very tangible. It, it's, it would be a huge deal. It, it, would, it would really be a feather in the cap for our department, for the university fan base could, could really feel good about things. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tall order. I mean, it, you know, to, to beat Oklahoma, I mean, geez, I was doing the math today and, and I may be off a, a person or two, but oh, they have 15, 16, 17 guys starting on NFL depth charts right now, a whole bunch of offensive linemen, three quarterbacks, a whole bunch of wide receivers, a really good tight end. Nobody else in the big 12 has that. I mean, their talent level, and that's because they've earned it, right? I mean, they didn't just, you know, they didn't just snap their fingers and and have all this occur, right? I mean, they've done a lot of things right to get to this point. But it's, you know, they recruit the nation. You look at the depth charts. Nobody else really can do that in the Big 12. I mean, even Texas. I mean, you look at their depth chart. It's almost all Texas guys. There's a few guys here and there, but not like Oklahoma. So, you know, it's not to say, and that's not an excuse. Everybody's chasing them, but but they they've been able to to – have a high level of talent. So when you have an opportunity, if you can, if you can beat them, then I think for anybody in the big 12, it's a pretty significant accomplishment because you're not running those, you know, those multiple NFL starters out on your, on, on your field, on your offense or defense very often on a, you know, it it doesn't happen very many times in the big 12 for anybody else. You might have a couple, but not very many. Dave, I, I have a question. It's a little bit off topic. It's the last thing I got for you. And I've wanted to ask you this for a while as someone who grew up, in Oklahoma, listening to the radio, listening to college football. I want to know, how did you come up with pistols firing as your touchdown call? It was just a random, just throw it out there and see what <laughs> happened thing. I mean, it really was. It was Louisiana Tech week two, my first year. And I thought, well, let's just, I'm going to, I thought about it before. It's like, well, let's just do this and see what happens. And yeah. man, worst thing can happen. You got, got like a little list of a dozen catchphrases. You're going to maybe try out for season one nope. see what sticks. Nope, that was the one. No, that was it. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll try this. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's like, move on down the road. It was probably a riskier move than I recognized at the time, but it only took off because the team was taking off. I mean, at that point in Oklahoma State football, I could have said, Three-legged goat downtown Stillwater touchdown Cowboys. They'd have put that on T-shirts because <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares what I said. They only care that we're winning at a level that we've not won at before consistently. We're having players come in here that are winning the Bolitnikoff Award. And, you know, you got guys like Des Bryant and Brandon Pettigrew and Brandon Whedon. And I'm missing lots of guys. There were tons of them. You could have said anything and they wouldn't. <laughs> it, hey. All it was was an exclamation on the celebration and yeah. because we had good coaches. We had really good players. Things were taking off. There was so much to be proud of. It, it was, you know, it's it's kind of like the, uh, geez, I'm not even sure how I would describe it, but it's, it's just, it's kind of like, again, it's kind of like the exclamation point. Everything's happened. Everything is great. It's just a little something to add to it. 
Yeah, that's that's great stuff, Dave. Um, well, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was really fun to have you on and hope to have you back sometime. Thanks for the time. We'll see you guys Saturday. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, that was great stuff from Dave Hunziker uh, from Oklahoma State. A lot of interesting, had a lot of interesting things to say. Um, for sure. W- what a great, uh, what a great interview for, for Bedlam Week. And now we go into picks and let's just start there, guys. We, we, I think we typically go in order of the game kickoff times, but given that, let's just go straight into Bedlam. It is a top 10 matchup. There's playoff Big 12 championship implications on the line. Oklahoma State is a four point favorite uh, in Stillwater. I think we've all sort of struggled with this pick. Um, who wants to take it? Who wants to go first? I already made my pick last week, so okay, I'm Sam, going Oklahoma State. Let's let's go. I'm taking the Pokes. Uh, I, I think I think they're the favorite. I think they played better. They've been more consistent, uh, and and that defense against a freshman quarterback. I like the matchup for the Pokes, uh, and it's at home. Uh, it's going to be a highly emotional game. But give me give me the give me the Pokes. I, I think that there's a really I'm not trying to stall here. I, I think there's uh, a really interesting dynamic to this. And Mike Gunny talked about it on Monday where when you know you got to play two huge games here back to back. And if you lose this one, you're playing Oklahoma again. Like how much do you save? You know, how much do you save things? How much do you, like if Oklahoma gets up big, do you kind of kind of rest your guys a little bit and kind of get ready for the next one? I, I, the strategy of this is interesting. I know he said they're going to act like they don't have a game after this. They're, they're going all in on this one. It's what their players want. Totally understand that, um, and especially with senior night and all that. You don't want to just kind of give up this game. But I do wonder how much that factors into when you know you've got the Big 12 title game next week, um, how much that will factor into like maybe some of the second-half strategy here a little bit if this game, if Oklahoma does build a big lead. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma plus four just because of the number. I, 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 just, I just think it's going to be that close of a game. And um, I, I think that Part of that is is me looking at both of these quarterbacks and saying, I could see this going a lot of different ways, <laughs> you know. I I and and that's not to diss them. It's not, you know. I, I think that um, you saw last year the O line D line difference was was significant, and that makes it really hard to play well. Uh, certainly at quarterback, I'm I'm curious to see can Oklahoma State's line, which has been banged up in recent weeks, um, are they going to be in, in kind of good enough shape here? Uh, to hold off a, a very good Oklahoma front, but I, I think it's going to be really tight. I, I do, and I I want to. I'm I'm just not sure. I'm I'm just not sure. So I'm going to take the plus four. I'm not sure who's going to win this game. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I have gone back and forth on this because, as I mentioned earlier, the the history of this rivalry, the psychological advantage that Oklahoma yeah. clearly has. Um, makes it makes it really difficult. Even if everything in me is saying to pick OSU, that makes it tough. But I'm going to do it. Damn it! I'm picking Oklahoma State to win this game. Beautiful. I am going to pick them to cover. I think this is the year that they get that done. Um, and then I think we get Bedlam again. Uh, well, we wouldn't get Bedlam we wouldn't. again unless we unless Texas Tech beats Baylor. Unless Texas Tech beats mm. Baylor, in which mm, case we would true. get Bedlam again. Mm. Um, so there's still a chance we could get Bedlam again. But I think Oklahoma State wins this game. Boone Pickens Stadium can be a very difficult place to play. The sidelines are really narrow. The fans are right on top of you. Um, I think that Caleb Williams has struggled on the road. He even struggled at Kansas. At guys. Kansas, yeah. And so uh, I think – Slightly gonna, different atmosphere in this one overall, I, mean, I think. Well, and just imagine 
how fired up these fans are going to be. Yeah. This is their chance to to finally exercise those demons. I think this is going to be a. I think this is going to be an Oklahoma State win, and I'll even take it a step further. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a convincing Oklahoma State. Wow, win. and and the chess match of Knowles versus Riley, I think, is going to be just so fun to watch from drive to drive. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. But but right now, Riley has had a little bit of trouble. I mean, he's. He's having trouble figuring out what to do, I think, with this offense because Caleb Williams has struggled. The offensive line has been a little bit iffy. And, uh, you know, really the most consistent source of offensive production they've had has been Kennedy Brooks, who, by the way, has played two of the best games of his career against Oklahoma State. So mm-hmm. um, maybe there's a chance there, but I, I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm going to do it. Um, I'm right there with you, Sam. All right, let's let's uh, let's go through these other games now, guys. We got... Friday, we got a couple Friday games, which is awesome. Um, Kansas State at Texas. Texas is a three-point favorite. Did that surprise anybody else? Yeah, because they're not very good. <laughs> How many teams should Texas be favored against? I mean, let's be honest here. They lost to Kansas, so probably zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Kansas, Kansas plus I guess three if Texas is kind of played UConn, I guess you could give Texas a favorite if they played UConn, but other than that. There's not, there's not really anybody you can favor them against. No, I, no. I, I agree. And so uh, Kansas State plus, at Plus, the, the, uh, Sam, the quarterback situation this week for Texas, not great. Up in the air. Uh, both of them are hurt. Casey Thompson, Hudson Card both got hurt. Uh, Sarkeesian said Monday if he had to pick a guy that day, it would be Casey Thompson, but he's going to monitor throughout the week. So we'll find out on Friday. No, I mean, this is – for me, it's K-State plus three. I mean, that's easy to me. I probably will be wrong about that because it feels so easy, but you know, that's that's where I'm going. Yeah. Easy money. I can't, I mean, they've lost six in a row and there's, there's no way I I, I've taken Kansas state and yeah. uh, Give me those points for sure. I mean, after six losses in a row, you've are, you know, you have nothing to play for. There's no bowl eligibility on the line. I mean, it's not a healthy team. I mean, they're missing a lot of guys right now. Yeah. This just doesn't even feel close. I I'm honestly very, very, that might be one of the most surprising lines we've seen all year really to me. So also on Friday, we got TCU at Iowa state cyclones, a 14 and a half point favorite. Um, you know, gosh, Iowa state there's, it's been such a disappointing year for them, but they've been so close. Um, I, I thought, I don't know. Did you guys hear Charlie Kohler's, uh, kind of, uh, soliloquy after that game about how close it's been and how frustrating it's been. I don't know if you guys heard him after, uh, after the Oklahoma game, I, I just feel bad for those guys. Cause they've been right there. And uh, this was supposed to be such a special season for them. Um, Max, what you got, you know, TCU played a real, real nail biter with Kansas who, you know, we got that, <laughs> we got that pick right last week. Um, I, I think that this will be, just given how important this senior class has been to Iowa State, um, I, I have to think that this is one of those everybody rallies and you know to finish this at home rallies behind that senior class and 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 that they they get it done and, and try and leave this thing on the right note. Um, so I think Iowa State covers the fourteen and a half, and uh, certainly it's going to be very interesting after that game to see how many people are calling Matt Campbell and trying to get him to take their job. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how things go from Sunday on. Um, and, I, but, and, and, you know, sometimes that can distract kids for sure. I, I don't think that's going to be the case in this one though. I think that, that Iowa state puts it together and, and has um, a little bit of a cathartic win here to, to finish this thing out. Right. Yeah. I, I, I just think TCU's lump into the finish here. They had the one big emotional win over Baylor after after the Gary Patterson firing, but I just don't think they've got enough firepower at this point um, to do it. I, I think I think they got enough talent to do it, but I just on the road and Jack Trice, like and like Max said, I think Iowa State. This is this is a good team, even though the record hasn't bore it out as much as it should. I, I think I'm taking Cyclones to cover. Me too. Me too. I'll take uh, I'll take Iowa State. Um, next up, we got a, this is an important game, Texas tech at Baylor, because if Baylor loses the Bedlam result, doesn't matter in terms of the big 12 championship game, Oklahoma will play Oklahoma state a second week in a row. If Texas tech beats Baylor, um, 
Baylor is a 14-point favorite. I'll start it out by saying I think Baylor wins and covers this, um, but I, I'm now I'm curious what you guys think. Who, who wants to take this one first? Yeah, Sam, what's, what, you, you've been up in Lubbock this week, so what, what's your sense on it? Yeah, I, uh, 14 and a half is kind of large. I think Baylor is a much better team than Texas Tech, but I like the way the Tech has fought under, under uh, Sonny Cumbie. Even last week, I know they, they got shut out by Oklahoma State, but they were in that game. The defense kept them in that game for quite some time in, into the second half. I think Tech will play hard, and I, I think I think Baylor will win, but I think Tech will cover here. I think I think they'll be within a couple touchdowns. Uh, so so last game of regular season, I mean Tech still has a bowl game left, but Baylor's a must win. I think Baylor will pull it off, but I think I think Tech keeps this one close enough. Interesting, yeah, I I could see that, and you know obviously we're we're picking these slightly out of order here, so the timing of it does matter that you've got Baylor playing at uh, eleven a.m you know, having no idea if they're, if they have a chance to get to the big 12 title game or not, but you got to win this one. Um, so I think, I think I'm going to take Baylor to cover it. Um, the 14 and a half, it, it does seem like possibly too many points though. All right. Well, next we have West Virginia at our fighting Kansas Jayhawks um, <laughs> coming off a narrow loss. To, uh, to, to TCU, West Virginia is playing for bowl eligibility. So there's a lot to play for uh, for West Virginia. Um, West Virginia, 15 and a half point favorite. 15 and a half. How could they disrespect the Jayhawks like that? Agreed. Agreed. That number just keeps coming down every week. I was going to say, is that, is that the lowest line they've had? Uh, it might season, be. Or at least, against, at least in the Big 12 it has been. It very well may be. Let's look that up. That's a good question. Yeah, so um, so I I will tell you this. I, this one I'm really torn on because, like you said, West Virginia needs needs to win for ball eligibility. You know, they got the win over Texas last week, but Kansas has covered two weeks in a row. So I'm very torn on this. It's it, it's at home for Kansas. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take Jayhawks one more time. They they, they paid off the last two weeks. I'm gonna go ahead and take them one more time. You're damn right. We're taking the Jayhawks plus 15 and a half. Um, yes. I think West Virginia will win this game. And, and as you said, Sam, that the, the motivation is obviously there to get it done. Um, there, there is a part of that. That's just, I don't know. I, th- I think it's, I don't know. I think Kansas has gotten better certainly. And maybe that atmosphere makes it, uh, you know, throws teams off a little bit too um, in terms of, you know, bringing the energy for that one. Um, maybe West Virginia plays a little more conservative because they know they've got to, you know, they've got to get this one done and Kansas has threatened some teams. So uh, I, I could see this one being a little bit closer. I think West Virginia will win, but I like Kansas plus 15 and a half. As do I. We're going to make it a clean sweep for the Jayhawks uh, on one true pod. Um, I, I definitely I definitely think West Virginia will win, uh, but I think Kansas will keep it closer than 15 and a half. All right, we already got Bedlam. So now let's move into our future, Big 12, and we'll start with uh, with the highest-ranked team of the bunch, Cincinnati. Trap game. Trap, <laughs> Trap game. game. Do tell, Max. Take it. Let's go. I think I, uh, Cincinnati's going to ECU Friday afternoon. Uh, quick turnaround. Sam, you saw how ECU played Houston. I believe that one went to overtime. That was a, that was a very weird day, obviously. Yeah, it was the same here. Weather delay. Um, but the, you, you, you know, Cincinnati's made this jump up now. They, they played that game where they showed what they got, what they can do against a, a great, you know, SMU team. And they're, they're all riding this emotional high of, of finally getting their validation from the committee. 14 point favorite at ECU. I don't think they're going to lose, but is 14 too many points? I don't think so. Here's the thing. One, one thing that's important that I think no one's really discussing is, Cincinnati needs to win this game to ensure it hosts the conference championship. Houston's already finished. They're undefeated. They're 8-0 in conference. Uh, Cincinnati, if Cincinnati loses, obviously they lose the college football playoff, but they also have to go on the road in the conference uh, championship game. So I, I think Cincinnati's going to cover and take care of business. Then get, getting the cobwebs out the way they did against SMU is going to help them a little bit. Sometimes when it's such an obvious trap, and I am going to take Cincinnati to cover the 14 but sometimes when it is such an obvious trap game you as, as the staff you can it helps you maybe a little bit to kind of get everybody's heads right for this one and say we're not looking past this to houston this is this is one we've got to you know you even though you're number four you still have to continue to try to win convincingly 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the playoff committee, I think, will take any excuse they can to drop them back out of the top four. I, I'm still, I'm still, even today, not convinced they're going to do it. I think they should do it. I'm just not convinced that they will. So I think it's important for them to keep what, what, what The fear being what? That they would say Notre Dame was the better team, even though they lost to them? Or Oklahoma State, or I mean, I, I yeah, I, I could totally see. Uh, I, or maybe I guess the, I don't know, maybe the more, the bigger fears is just maybe how the SEC title game goes and do both of those teams too. get in. Yeah, so there's so many scenarios where they still get left out, and so I just think it's important for them to keep winning convincingly like they did last week, so I think that they will uh, do that again. Um, all right, now we got uh, USF at UCF. Uh, the, the war on I-4. The Man, these games used to be really fun to watch. Yeah, they were. This one I don't think will be so fun to watch. <laughs> no, no, I don't either. Sent UCF a 15 and a half, or wait, did I read that right? 18 and a half. 18 and a half. I have bad handwriting. 18 and a half point uh, favorites. I'm going to take UCF. Yeah, I'm going to take UCF. USF's been pretty rough this year, although they, they have, they, they did cover against Cincinnati. Uh, mm-hmm. And I believe they covered against Houston, so so I wouldn't be shocked if they had covered. But I'm going to take the Knights. I'll take the I'll take Nitro as well. Ah, uh, all right. Well, we got two left uh, here. The Houston. We got the 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 future Big Twelve Cougars. Both of them left to go here. Um, Houston at UConn. Houston a 32 and a half point favorite uh, over UConn. Sam, uh, what do you think about your Cougs? I'm going to take my my son here. Just brought me some colored logos of teams that he did and he just handed me a u of h one so i'm going well, there you to go hold that one up to say that i'm taking the kooks to cover here <laughs> <laughs> i want to know he's held up an organ one too very nice very nice um uh houston 32 and a half yeah okay that's fine <laughs> i mean it's could UConn. be could be could be too high but it is UConn. UConn. i think it is too high a little bit but i mean i look back at uconn's losses and they've lost a bunch of games by 30 plus so i think i think uh just the quality of opponent here i think makes it a little bit easier to take the kooks and uh and lastly guys we got a, a pretty fun one a pretty fun uh game for uh for the future big 12 byu cougars they're at usc and a seven point favorite uh who wants to take this one first? This is I, I always like having the uh, the like the real you know good competitive super late night game. I think this one could have been good. You see it, USC is terrible though. I mean, if you guys, if you, I don't know how much you guys watched the UCLA game. I mean, they are they are bad. So uh, yeah, feel pretty good about uh, feel pretty good about the number only being seven um, for BYU, and I think they'll. They'll get this done. That that was, uh, you know, watching UCLA put up sixty plus on them last week. I, <laughs> it's hard for me to see USC kind of turning it around here when the staff's already been fired and all that, and uh, you know, kind of rallying and putting putting a great performance together that doesn't really mean anything to them. Yep. Pac twelve after dark, but man, it, they're limp- USC's limping to the finish. I, I got to take BYU to cover. Like Max said, numbers pretty attractive to take here. So take the Cougs. And I'll make it a clean sweep for BYU. Um, you know, last week, guys, I didn't even mention this. Right, now, I, well, hold on. I should say, okay. if USC wins this, they can go beat Cal next week and get to a bowl game. But again, when you've already fired the staff, like, uh, so it's not totally meaningless, but I, I feel like the line should be more than seven. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm going to take BYU as well. I didn't mention this earlier, guys, but we all went six and three last week, all three of us, which – it doesn't help me and Max at all in our quest to tell these people what Sam's record is. Sam, you are 57 and 37 against the spread on the season. I, I, I don't, I wish I had bet real money on this all year. <laughs> <laughs> I am usually not this good on picks, but it has for whatever reason come together. So you, you have your two sons running around behind you in the background here. Think of what their how their college funds could be looking right now <laughs> if you've been putting. Real dough on these picks of yours. I know, I know. What a hot year. Don't look at my SEC picks because I do the SEC ones, and those are not anywhere near what one is. So if you were putting real money on all this, that it would be canceled out, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. If I put them on both (laughs) SEC and and the Big Twelve, yeah. But but uh, so I'd be fifty fifty basically. But yeah. uh, But no, this this uh, it's been a it's been a heck of a year. So. 
let's finish strong. Max and Jason, I'm curious to see how you got you two guys finish. With, yeah. Uh, with well, one game separating you two. Yeah. Max 46, 48. I'm 45 so and 49. Close. So close to 500. Let's go. So, so we're right there. I, uh, Max, this as impressive as Sam has been, I feel like your comeback from I think where we can you all were, agree. Mine's been really much more impressive overall. <laughs> Considering the, the hole that I dug. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Sam's been killing it. Um, yeah, it's uh, guys, fellas, season's almost over. It's crazy. It's sad. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think we're all a little bit burned out, but still like, it is sad to think that this is, this is all the regular seasons wrapping up this week. Yeah. I've been looking forward to it because after the, uh, Texas and OU to the SEC that wiped out my late July preseason vacation. So (laughs) I am, I am looking forward to the end of the regular season here and the end of silly season, which Texas tech and TCU are at least going to help us out in that regard uh, pretty quickly here. So uh, I I am looking forward to that little bowl break between the last conference championship games and and the bowls. So it's been a fun year though. And it's been some good football. It has been strong. This is going to be a really exciting weekend around college football beyond uh, what we talk about here, you know, Ohio state, Michigan, the iron bowl. There's a lot of really, really fun games this weekend to watch. So, and I'm looking forward to seeing my good friend, Max Olson in person on in Saturday. person, in person, bring me some pie. Okay. You got it. You got, I'll bring one. I'll bring one to the press box. <laughs> Man, All right, be guys. Fun. Well, uh, well, thanks, guys, and thanks all of you, uh, as always, for listening. We're here every Thursday in the Andy Staples Show and Friends feed. So if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our stories on The Athletic. If you're still not a subscriber to The Athletic, uh, right now we are running an excellent promotional deal for the next few days. Uh, $1 a month for 12 months. Uh, so you can definitely want to want to jump in on that while you can. You'll get comprehensive coverage of the Big 12 season and so much more. We'll see you next time. <laughs>